violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome back to Take a Look Around. Whoever wins, you lose. <laughs> Hello, listener. My name is Shawnee Campion, and as always, I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Alistair B-Man Bates, the Predator, <laughs> as women call him. <laughs> How are you, B-Man? Uh, man, I am bursting out of some eggs and ready to stick some things right down your gob hole. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm just, you know... The movie we're talking about today is about conflict, but I think we're coming into this in the nature of peace. And we're, yeah, we're simpatico, baby. We're kind simpatico. Of, we're we're like this. parasites. We you know, we need each other to birth each other, much like the titular yeah. alien may. But you know what would absolutely just throw off our whole <laughs> dynamic completely and send us into an absolute war for the ages uh abbott and costello meets frankenstein versus the wolfman if you will if we added a third person to the mix ladies and gentlemen it gives me absolute pleasure to introduce the dj lethal of the podcast he's been here since day one our friend sam mckenzie how are you sam hey shawnee hey b man we just watched a great movie hey al sean called you the predator but I was making Al versus Predator jokes the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. The movie. Wow, suck up much. <laughs> I mean, you'll be spared now. <laughs> You're off the list. <laughs> that doesn't all, that doesn't automatically make us the predators, surely. No, no, not at all. We are not predators. We are. Um, we're all. We're all friends here. Now, Sam, uh, our listeners might be aware that you are the designer for the podcast. You uh, did our original logo, our new logo, and all of our t-shirts. How does it feel to work with the greatest podcast <laughs> on the planet? It feels wonderful. It's it's a pleasure, uh, absolute pleasure to be here talking about movie magic with you guys. It's long overdue as well. I feel um, I feel like this, however, is kind of maybe the perfect film for you to come on and talk about. I guess maybe <laughs> yes. not only due to it being about two like classic pulpy sci-fi legends, but also its origin in like weird late eighties, early nineties comic culture. Um, I oh, guess yeah, yeah. like uh, I guess not to to Sam a lot of uh, a lot of your your animation design stuff really draws from a lot of the stuff that we all fucking love, which is why we got you to do the logo. Uh, but like you yeah. are also like, I've, I've seen some of your awesome commissions that have been about, you know, some of the things that we're about to talk about. Predator. Alien. I have drawn the, the alien before. Uh, yeah. I, but I love uh, Alien and Predator like two of two of the most classic great near perfect movies if not totally perfect. before we get into to the yes. actual film itself should we talk about the the franchises separately do you guys have like like affinity for like all of these films like for me i'm like a massive alien mm. head i think i've watched the Alien franchise possibly 10 times yeah. over. I'm constantly readdressing the rankings totally. in my head. 
If anyone wants to know my rankings, please DM me. I will get very aggressive about Alien Covenant to you. A very fantastic film. You're the same as me, where you think they're they're all good. Like, there's no bad Alien movie, right? Oh, Alien Resurrection <laughs> is pure torture. Really? The Yoss Whedon one? I think that that film should be put in a boat and pushed off. I, I don't think I've watched it in 20 years or so, so maybe I'm due for a rewatch. But, like... Hey, you, what a stinker. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. What about the, the Predator movies, guys? Like, Predator 1 and 2, Predators, I think they're cool. I think they're all good. I think they're all good. They kind of get overshone by the Alien franchise, but every single Predator film is worth looking at. Predator 2, incredibly the Predator. highly... Un- no, <laughs> Sam and I watched The Predator together, the super autism one, oh, really? and we drank about <laughs> yeah, 150 yeah. beers, yeah. and we had such a lovely time, Sam. It was great, but it, I, I think our expectations were quite uh, maybe 2,000 metres below the arc. <laughs> sorry, going back to the Alien movies, I remember like when we first got... Uh, family computer it came whoever we bought it off uh, threw in the box set of the alien dvds oh hell so yeah. they were like the first dvds i ever watched and i loved them but there was always every one of them had something in it that fucked up a very young teenage me yeah <laughs> so, like there's sure. always something very harrowing in each of the movies newspaper getting stuffed into ripley's mouth by uh what's the what's the ant Ash in Ash. the first one oh. terrifies Yeah, me when they, they knock Ash's head off and all that milk blood of his sprays everywhere, yeah. I was like, no, no, it? no, 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 no. Just <laughs> quickly, what is it with Ridley Scott and the milk blood? Everything he's done with androids in it, bar oh, Blade Runner maybe, is... has had milk blood. Have, have you guys watched Raised by Wolves? Yeah, there's um, milk blood in, in Blade Runner as well, I'm fairly certain. Oh, is there? Uh, I... He just thinks it's cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's groovy, baby. I'm groovy Ridley Scott. Now that I think about it, the main thing that always fucked me up was like, you know, in the first one, I think it's the director's cut thing, but when she finds the sort of makeshift hive and the guy's like, "Uh, kill me, kill me. Oh, yeah. Tom Skerritt. Yeah. And then (laughs) is it in Resurrection where she finds the like failed clones and there's her. Yeah. Kill me, kill me. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember those were pretty uh, upsetting. Pretty gnarly. Being a young kid. Now, speaking of things that fucked you up as a teenager, Sam, this is a new metal cinema podcast. Oh, yeah. And you, my friend, were an edgy boy. You told me <laughs> once upon a time that you had the, the Batman logo shaved into the back of your head as a child. That was when I was probably like... When did yeah, like young, maybe even like six or something. What is your earliest new metal memory? Oh man, I I was uh, the prime demographic for new metal because I was in like grade eight when maybe like Limp Bizkit and everything took off. Uh, So you know that was a big formative part of my childhood. I had uh, fucking jorts. Big skate shoes, gelled up spiky hair. Uh, and this is how I, I dress loved, now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the classics. But yeah, I, I remember like downloading like Limp Bizkit and Linkin Park songs off Napster. And uh, yeah. just, you know, that's the way it was intended. Yeah. Oh, I, for sure. Steal this album, baby. Steal this album. But yeah, and uh, Channel V was also a big uh, thing to blame for that. I think we'd probably just gotten like, 
what Ostar, which was like the sort of regional version of Foxtel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they used to we, pump that shit all the time. Like it was just Link weird, Park, Papa Roach. Tieback. Do you remember that corn video that was that had Brad Skerritt in it and they had the HR Giga designed? Oh um, yeah, of it was course. like that, that that riff on resurrection where they were removing the, the parasites from each oh, member yeah. of corn. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, now we've got that. some stuff for the social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, full disclosure coming into this episode, we were like, how can we connect this to New Metal? <laughs> well, we, Sean and I were just talking about this. Like, the Predator is very New Metal. He's, uh, He's got dreadlocks, very new yeah. metal. He wears uh, fishnet tops. He's got big, True. yeah. He's got like big metal accoutrements to himself. Yeah, and he's got heaps of tribal designs on him. Like, if it's not tribal tattoos, then his swords <laughs> look like whatever blade you use. Yeah, the weapon. predator is a guy you see in the sunk loto mosh pit, just like <laughs> wilding out to himself. I think just quickly before we want to get stuck into the film, did you guys ever play the video games? Yes, yeah, I have an incredibly fond memory of playing uh, the Alien vs. Predator side-scroller at Red Hill okay. Skate Arena, oh, yeah. which yeah. became Red Hill Cinemas, which if you are a super fan of the show, you know is where we did our live show. It all comes full oh, yeah. circle, baby. Yeah, that um, that right. Capcom side-scrolling beat-em-up of Alien vs. Predator is phenomenal, if not the best of that genre of games. Uh, other ones are a little bit hit and miss. I remember Sean and I, after playing a lot of the Friday the 13th uh, game that came out a few years ago, we got really excited when they announced uh, that that team was making a Predator, Predator game. Hunting Grounds. And we, mm. we got like... I think I we know, played that. I think we had a... I think there was all like three a of us might have played that a few times. Free beta game. Or yeah. Something. And we played it and it was just not fun. Like <laughs> being the Predator felt like trying to drive a car through the treetops of a jungle. <laughs> it was just not, yeah, wasted potential. Look, we could talk about the uh, Aliens vs. Predator all day, which we're going to do, but let's talk about the film Alien vs. Predator, yes. not the comics or the video games <laughs> or uh, <laughs> any other related media. There may be slightly more interesting stuff. Let's hit the trailer, baby. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? Did you say this room is called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. 
film kind of starts when a Wayland satellite for the alien heads out there uh, notices a crazy hot heat signature under the Arctic cap. We get the uh, uh, the the little wall of text on screen telling us it's 2004 when this film oh, was yeah. released, which <laughs> instantly bummed me out because like every. <laughs> It, it just instantly just throws out the entire Alien franchise. And this film is already non-canon as soon as Prometheus was released. But mm. it, like, it was non-canon from the minute it hit the screen, that's for sure. Like, This is all over the shot with the mythology. Totally. But also, with that sweet, sweet, mon- uh, with that sweet introduction text, you know you're about to watch a film by the auteur. Paul, Paul W. w. Anderson. <laughs> oh man, like it's it's always a fucking hoot. Like uh, two weeks ago when we did Event Horizon, it became just very apparent, like that he is the new metal auteur, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, we did like a whole more or less three episodes on the Resident Evil films, which he directed as well. Each film that also starts with an exposition dump at the start through like a quick the year is 2000 and something zombies or aliens <laughs> or predators it doesn't matter <laughs> my wife said it <laughs> once this heat has been detected uh, industrialist charles bishop wayland played by lance henriksen not to be confused who, with guy pierce's peter wayland from prometheus who are more or less the same yeah. character they're um yeah, and isn't he evil bishop as well in Alien Three? Yeah, this really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just, it's just, <laughs> one of those like lazy, uh, they're like, well, if we fan put him service. in, but it, it's kind of, yeah, just like a fan service. Uh, but also, <laughs> we were uh, having a little giggle before about has anyone made the joke, uh, Scott Wayland, you tiny, <laughs> 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 to tie it back into the new metal Hoover. <laughs> um, so please uh, refer to him as that from. From here on out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Scott Wayland, <laughs> Utani Um I guess, you know, this bloke figures out something's going on. So he, for some reason, gets a team of archaeologists and linguistic experts and mercenaries. I don't know. It doesn't really explain how he knows why he needs archaeologists, mercenaries, or linguists. Well, they, they really know does- that it's a pyramid under the ground. So they're like... Ooh, I guess we should probably get some fancy pyramid guys. Uh, and by fancy pyramid guys, they get a guy uh, who's basically just like, hey, we have Gail Garcia Bernal at home. We got Pedro Pascal at home. No, we got this archaeologist who spends his time digging up Pepsi bottle caps in the oh, middle yeah. of each <laughs> Then he makes that dramatic reveal of like, oh, has he found something? And then it's just a Pepsi bottle cap. But it, it becomes like a recurring thing yeah. throughout the movie. His, his humiliation yeah. that he wears around his neck. I've also just completely failed to remember that there is a cold opening, like a really cold opening to this film where uh, oh, yeah. there it, it's like the old timey people getting like hunted at the whaling station. Oh yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah, I've, I've yeah, forgot, I've forgotten about that entirely. And I watched this movie about an hour and a half ago <laughs> until you just mentioned it. The movie whizzes along. We get yeah. introduced to like members of the the crew. Uh, we're introduced to Lex, who's our lead character for the film, 
who's an actress who we were like, oh, let's look up what she was in. She's pretty serviceable. She's like, this is a starring role for her. Why haven't we seen her in anything else? Her only other major role is she plays Cleveland's wife in the Cleveland show. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I really feel like, I mean, this film more or less is just a haunted house movie. Uh, it, Mm. It is... A whole bunch of nerds get stuck in a creepy building where two two famous monsters pick them off one by one. Each character yeah, is more you're or right. less. It just... is very it it is very ten little Indians, isn't it? It is, yeah. And and it's you know, each character is like a vague archetype. You know, you've got like the charming Scottish scientist played by uh, Ewan Bremer. Uh, of train spotting and snatch and black hawk down fame i I, love seeing him turn up and stuff he's great he's he's the best part of the cast like oh yeah he 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 rules yeah he's like we were saying that he's one of the only recognizable characters or castings in the movie up until like uh colin salmon shows up yeah colin salmon the holdover from resident evil turns up playing literally his exact same character in Resident Evil. Everybody, but yeah, literally everybody in this is just like uh, an archetype that gets picked off one by one. This is all kind of set to like the backdrop of this bizarre kind of interpersonal relationship between three, I guess, teenage predators who are on their kind of alien bar mitzvah to prove that they are uh, Al, I, I don't think that this is a an alien bar mitzvah i think that this is predator gapia yeah me and the boys oh, yeah. me and the boys were going to magalaf and we're getting absolutely slaughtered and we just chundered everywhere it's a gapia yeah, sure. predator gapia yeah, it really is so it kind of turns out that the archaeologists somehow discover that Predators and aliens have been visiting Earth for since what the Mesopotamic era and have been <laughs> that, using that scene <laughs> is so know. funny because it just like cuts to a, a a video that he's narrating and I'm just like wait how does he know all this stuff and then he <laughs> yeah, cuts yeah. back and he's just like pointing, pointing at, at the floor <laughs> he's like oh yeah and then if if things get too bad then the the predators can like explode the site and you know, wipe all traces of the aliens away. It, it's the best part of the whole film is it's this like cut scene in which um, it's explained that predators were responsible for building pyramids with the, the three greatest and most ancient cultures, which is the Egyptians, the Aztecs, and inexplicably they keep making reference to Cambodians. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Cambodian cigarettes are also, like, some of the oldest buildings. I uh, had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's that classic, uh, what's his name? Eric von Strymer, that weird ancient aliens guy. Yeah. Who's the, the famous one who wrote Chariots of Fire, who's... Chariots like, of the no gods. Way. Chariots of That's fire it. is about the Jewish yeah. kid who thinks he can run. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm talking about the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it all ties uh, into Alien versus Predators. You know, I have so it. much time for ancient alien theories. Like, you know, like you know how like so much of conspiracy theory nonsense, like 9/11 truther stuff, like or birth certificate stuff, is just like. Mm. 
uh, it teeters on racist or just plain grating and annoying. I feel like yeah. ancient alien stuff is just the most purest form of conspiracy theory where like, it's just like, it's like a deep, warm, relaxing bath to someone's like, yeah, they levitated those blocks. You can uh, look it up. I, I think it, it's still pretty racist because they're just like, yeah. Egyptians couldn't have built this. Cambodians couldn't have built this. It must be aliens or predators in this case. Agree to disagree. Well, <laughs> so yeah, basically from here, they like make their way to Antarctica where this pyramid is 2000 meters underneath the Antarctica. They find themselves at the same whaling station from the beginning of the film. And they find that all of their work is done for them. They don't need Elon Musk's boring company because the predators have already fucking lasered a giant corrugated iron hole all the way down perfectly to the surface of the pyramid. Was that what, how did you describe it? Sure. Oh, I described the big hole as ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> it looks so I, cheap. I, it's clearly just a corrugated iron tube. <laughs> that they've spray painted white and yeah. a bit of foam onto. I I love that their logic in this film is like, oh, well it's been done for us. We uh might as well go down. <laughs> We've just saved ourselves a whole lot of digging. <laughs> yeah, that looked pretty like he, there's that bit where Scott uh, Scott Wayland Scott Wayland uh, yeah Scott Wayland um <laughs> like slips and he starts sliding down. It was like yeah, that just kind of looks fun. Yeah, like, yeah. I could slide for two thousand meters. Like I don't think I'd ever get sick of going on a slide. It, it's if anything, slides are too short. <laughs> I th- there is another scene where Scott Wayland Utani slips and he drops his cancer ventolin. Oh, I thought it was a bong at first. But it's him. kind of revealed. His whole reason for doing this is because he's dying of lung cancer and is hoping the ancient alien pyramid can cure his lung cancer. Which, it's the best scene of the whole film as he has that toe-to-toe with Lex where she talks about um, taking her father up uh, the mountain or Mount Everest or something like that and he gets the blood clot and dies. But, you know... Scott Whalen tells her, do you think he remembers getting the blood clot or do you think he remembers getting to the peak of Everest? Like, it's the best scene of the film, but it also it's really just cool. hammers home that Ridley Scott has gone on record as saying that he never watched this movie. But the producers <laughs> of the Alien franchise that definitely produced this and definitely produced Prometheus saw it. And there's so much of this film is just like cribbed for Prometheus, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't actually think of that. How, yeah, Guy Pierce. I mean, spoiler for a 10 year old movie, but uh, Guy Pierce's character in Prometheus is legitimately, as you said, the same character, an evil scientist who's dying who wants to find out if he can live eternal life. Yeah, and also Pretty... a lot of the team, uh, you know, I mean, they're not particularly deep tro- characters, they're all kind of tropey, but we were joking that a lot of them are kind of recycled for Prometheus. Like yeah. You had, yeah. Logan Marshall Green. Oh, uh, the douchey boyfriend yeah. character is then, just the archaeologist. And then just like a random Scottish guy. And yeah. Yeah. And it's all, 
it felt like if Ridley Scott says he didn't watch it, I think he might have, and then he kind of was like, well, fuck it, I'm going to do a good version of this. <laughs> I'm groovy, Ridley well, in his Scott. Words. I'm going to make Prometheus. <laughs> Not enough milky cum blood in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Damon Lindelof wrote um, uh, Prometheus, and he is... I don't know if you know this, somewhat of a bit of a geek. Uh, <laughs> so I absolutely, I totally reckon that you guys are probably right and that he, maybe Damon Lindelof was just like, well, if Ridley Scott hasn't watched it, maybe I can just pass this homework <laughs> off with my own. <laughs> like, no one, no one remembers that movie, right? Like, yeah, we can just forget about it. Wrong. I remember it. And I love it. Uh, shit hits the fan for the Predators who get kind of picked off as well. Uh, leaving, what's the character called? Scar. They they they, they give this predator a, a name in the credits. Yeah, because uh, um, because you didn't mention, but the humans find a a box, and it's full of the predator's guns, and they're like, "What?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Spud leans in and goes, "This is like finding Moses's DVD collection." <laughs> 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 oh fuck! Um, Hands down, the best line of the whole. So film. they like. They're like, well, fuck it. Like, we'll we'll take these guns. Why so- did the predators just leave their guns around on a hunt? They really are just teenage predators, well, aren't just, they? They're, there. they're they're ready. They didn't have to get them through customs, you know. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. So shipped them ahead of time. Yeah. So smart. So they're kind of at a bit of a disadvantage. They rock up. Their guns aren't there, and they're like, "Whoops!" Like, I uh, guess we'll just have to <laughs> you know, kind of figure this out. That, there's that cool scene when they call for backup and it cuts to the alien homeworld, which just kind of looks like space Florida, where it's all just <laughs> this swampy, horrible hellhole. We might have we might have missed that. That's I think you watched um, the director's cut, dude. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna lie. The first time I watched, so I've rewatched this film twice for the show. The first time I watched it, I had an awful fucking shroom experience and thought Lance Hendrickson was a reptile man and had to just <laughs> to stop watching. Uh, but the second time, I think there's this great scene where they're in space uh, Florida and this insane fucking parrot that it's just this alien... Uh, Predator King literally sitting on a throne like this. Awesome. And this giant periscope drops from the sea. Like, it's <laughs> huge. Like, it literally just is like... And it comes like this little periscope eye thing where he can see Earth and can see that as stuff is going down, which is why he sends, like, the backup spaceship. Yeah, well, it, uh, it, it's, it's insane. Well, that's another thing I'll have to find for the socials, just because it's... Hilarious. We we had uh, quite a lot of technical troubles. Uh, I think YouTube hiring it off YouTube was the third yeah option. We but tried. every oh, every single one of the options we got had a different runtime, and the YouTube one we got was uh, maybe fifteen minutes shorter than the original version I downloaded. It was a tight so, ninety. Yes, yeah, we got a tight yeah, ninety cool. version though, which is good. Hey. All you missed is Space Florida by the well, sounds yeah. of it. I'm kind of sad I missed that. I mean, I, yeah. I think I vaguely remember that from when I saw this movie, you know, many years ago. But that would have been fun to see today, especially because in uh, Brisbane it's currently about 30 degrees. Yeah, it's Space Florida right yeah, here, yeah. baby. The Space Florida <laughs> of the world. So Brisbane. basically from here on out, uh, the film is just like uh, aliens are like cruising around they 
we get the classic alien archetypes of the aliens get some people and they chest burst them. They strap mm. them up on the ceilings in the hive. We even get an alien queen. And then, um, you know, people will be stumbling around in the shadows and then out of nowhere, we get a dreadlocked predator. No, not Jerome Chapman, about the predators themselves. And they'll go toe to toe with the aliens. The characters are really just there as cannon fodder, aren't they? Totally. Uh, and I think you made a good point where it is literally just like a compilation of the greatest moments of all the alien films. Like the, the moment the 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 uh, alien queen, which I think that whole sequence itself, the, the alien queen is frozen in cryogenesis mm. and oh, is chained and up. Attacking her to use the, 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 the acid blood to oh, get her out. But when they reveal her, I was like, oh shit, it looks like they might have like gone, oh shit, we don't have any money for this. And Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson was like, oh, don't worry about it. We've got some leftover shit from Event Horizon. We can like yeah, cobble yeah. together and make this like Hellraiser, Hell yeah, dungeon yeah. that it's, she lives in. It, it, it's got a really cool like H.P. Lovecraft uh, uh, kind of uh, unknowable evilness to it. But it's very well, spiky. It's very spiky. Uh, at the Mountains of Madness as being the number one influence on the writing of this film for Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> that in Chariots of the Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson. No, I said Paul Thomas Anderson, and I'm going to stick with it for the rest of the movie. Dir- director of Magnolia and Aliens. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you've had three episodes of Paul W.S. Anderson movies and you haven't made that joke yet. I think we spend the oh, whole... Oh, no, Sean's... Sean said P.T. Anderson every every episode. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I have, I have listened to them, but I'm... I'm uh, but that scene rules, and then, as, as you said, Sean, it is a compilation of the greatest moments of Alien, because... Once she's free, it is just the ending, uh, the last 30 minutes of Alien 2, or Aliens, where everyone's running away from the Queen through the hive. Uh, you know, they're the classic, oh, I've fallen into some um, narrow uh, kind of hallway that is used for technical stuff, and there's only one way out, and unfortunately the Alien is at the other end of that hallway. It is a, It is very much a greatest hits of both of the franchises yeah but neutered because this is a pg movie yeah i think is this the only pg uh, pg alien film i i would say so for sure like we no one says fuck yeah and there's no like weird Uh, sexualized imagery right i think she calls him an ugly motherfucker at the end they probably got they use their one fuck they get one fuck for pg-13 um, basically our main character Lex, um, everyone gets picked off around her, but as we know, because we're fans, the predators have a code and they won't ever kill someone that's unarmed. And they decide that Lex is their friend and they give her like a sweet combi spear and a shield, which is just made of an alien's head. It's pretty great. It's fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, and-, <laughs> and then it just becomes a buddy cop movie between Scar the Predator and Lex. Yeah, and because she kills that alien, because uh, it jumps at her and she like gets the spear under it and stabs it, that the, the Predator is like, all right, you are an honorable warrior. And he like gives her the little branding on her cheek yeah. that he gave himself earlier. It's so sick. And it, it's really funny to think that if these are just teenage uh, <laughs> teenage predators, that she thinks it's this like 
really like honorable marking and he's just kind of like this is gonna look cool he's just he's just giving her a stick and poke yeah <laughs> and it says like gap year yeah. 2004 <laughs> the fellas 2004 <laughs> mental time was that viral yeah <laughs> fucking mental <laughs> we go to earth and um, we get absolutely slaughtered with the archbishop of Banterbury. <laughs> Have a cheeky Nando's on the way back to space, Florida. <laughs> oh, man. So this movie ends with, uh, I guess, a showdown between Lex, Scar, and the Queen. Gets in the snowmobile and fucking... Whilst uh, Scar runs an interference and distracts the alien Queen. And yeah. There's a cool... Lex... Cool... I think it's the other way around. Lex kind of, like, runs away and the Queen chases her. And she gets stuck That's under, right. like, a little water tower... And then the coolest bit of the movie happens, which I is kind of the only bit I remember from watching it the first time, where it's like a low angle shot from Lex's point of view looking up at the alien queen. And it's kind of like framed by the the scaffolding oh, of the this tower. Bit's so good. And the predator kind of like parkour flips in with a spear and just stabs the alien queen through the head. And then the film just kind of wraps up, but um, the scar oh, yeah. he, he scar is unfortunately fucking... killed. Uh, yeah. his, unfortunately, um... we lost scar this year. <laughs> uh, his parents turn up, and they're like, "Okay, you killed our son. You have a stick and poke by him. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. We're gonna be, take yeah. him back home." Is that the equivalent of him just rocking up to the airport with like alcohol poisoning after his death? Mom, bug. pick me up, mom. <laughs> and then we get. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'd completely forgotten about the final scene where we're back on the Predator spaceship, and they've got him propped up on a bed, and they all leave the room. And suddenly we get a chestburster come out and it's like a half alien, half predator chestburster. Oh, fantastic. I love that. Pretty cool. Yeah. I remember seeing that at the movies when I was like 14 and being like, whoa, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I like that the predators are just like, oh, he's fine. Don't worry about him. Because like earlier in the movie, when they're wearing their masks, they can kind of use their heat vision. To mm. see when someone is pregnant with an alien. Uh, but they just find his dead body and they're not wearing masks. And they're like, no, nah, he'll be right. Don't worry about him. Just chuck him in this room. We're just going to like. Yeah, she'll be right. She'll be right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. Let's talk production, bad boys. Yeah, let's do it. Production for this film dates as far back as the early 1990s, late 80s. Alien had been a smash hit, Predator had been a smash hit, and Dark Horse Comics had started um, producing an ongoing series of Alien vs. Predator comics. As early as 1991, a version of the film entitled The Hunt had been commissioned by uh, Fox's spec script by a guy by the name of Peter Briggs. Peter Briggs would later go on to do Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, which is a fantastic little movie. Uh, I haven't read the Hunt script, but I did watch a YouTube rundown of it earlier today. And it sounds like like one of the great 
unseen science fiction films it's completely for the first half of the film set from the perspective of the predators who in it's set in the future they're on a they're hunting on a world against the aliens and uh they've basically like let the aliens run amok on this this colonist world of humans and they have to uh they unfortunately let the aliens get too far out of control and shit goes to pot and they have to team up with the humans to take down the aliens it sounds very much like a western but also the fact that it's set from the predator's perspective means that it's wholly unfilmable but a lot of it was kind of brought over to this film like stuff like predators using human weapons or uh the predators teaming up with the humans at the end i don't know i i would have much preferred to have seen that film to be honest (laughs) that's kind of the thing with both of these franchises where there are all of these great ideas and spec scripts that just never end up being uh, they get adapted and absorbed into things that just aren't yeah like Like, as good as what you promise like the the wood planet and i was just about to bring that up the the wood planet for alien 3 i there's a great documentary that you should seek out uh, if you have a copy of the Alien uh, box set, you'll already have it. Uh, it goes into details about the monk-led wood planet that was supposed to be Alien 3. It's fucking like the greatest underseen horror uh, horror film that and, never got And guys, we, we will never get that Neil Blomkamp Alien movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you. Who gives a fuck about that, guys? Seriously, like, I... I I feel so vindicated by the fact that he made Chappie after how much I hated District Nine. I I gotta say I didn't mind District Nine. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I didn't make it through Chappie. Think... Chappie, I, I I was like, yeah, everyone's just a hater. Like this is gonna be fine, and I, I couldn't make my way through it. Chappie is notable because it has uh, Hugh Jackman wearing like three quarter shorts, and it has a mullet. Oh, I forgot he was like in this... that. He's like this Australian Hillsong dude and he's just like, (laughs) see you at church on Sunday, yeah? But he has like all of these crazy like metal gears, like like, mechs in his little office. He's like, good day, (laughs) I am Hugh Jackman. I'm here to, uh, there's a robot called Chippy around. (laughs) (laughs) I, did you guys see that headline that happened earlier this year when Neil Blum said that he thinks the reason he got Alien taken away from him was that Ridley Scott watched Chappie? And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, dude, probably. (laughs) So did everyone else watch Chappie? So in that Guardian interview with that headline, they like are like talking about Neil Blomkamp. Like he's giving this interview to promote his new uh, in parentheses film that we've already reviewed and hated, Demonic. <laughs> <laughs> which I think Demonic might be the worst movie I've watched this year. Uh, if if you guys haven't seen, or if any listeners haven't seen it yet, it is. The acting is like Pavlov's porno. Like the whole time I was like. Is, is this or is this not the style of a pornography film? I have this weird... <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. It's dire. It is truly amazing that this man once had millions of dollars at his like disposal and now is making something that looks like, like I don't know, an Amazon original, but like a really, really, really cheap Amazon original. Yeah. So was 
Was he ever officially tied to the Alien franchise, or was that concept yeah. art that got leaked just no, like no, a no, no. He was thing? he was definitely officially tied to it until they gave it back to Ridley Scott. Because I mean, I yeah. know it was just concept art, but it, it kind of looked cool. If not, maybe like this is just a video game. Yeah, which yeah. they probably will funnel into a video game at some point. But yeah, I mean, uh, R.I.P. That. Yeah. <laughs> spin-off like aliens versus predator versus superman versus batman no but i I want to read aliens versus predator versus robocop i want (laughs) to read the uh predator versus judge dread i think that was oh yeah that i think that exists or is it alien uh you might have dreamt that but if it exists (laughs) i'd definitely read that i mean it sounds like it exists I'm interested to see where Alien goes again as a franchise. Apparently, I re- I was reading in research for this episode that now Fox owns the rights to both Alien and Predator again. Well, Fox doesn't um, exist anymore. and No, not Fox, Disney. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Now that Disney owns the rights to both of these, they're looking at redoing AVP. And they absolutely will because something like yeah. Ridley Scott's version of the new aliens with Prometheus and Covenant, which are these dark Grand Guignol, just absolutely pitch black films that just do not offer or hold your hand in any way, uh, are just so antithetical to what Disney stands Mm. for. But something like Aliens versus Predator, which is just purely fan service to the nth degree, is just Mm. so far up Disney's caliber that of course they're going to do something like that uh alien covenant i saw the sydney premiere of it and i think it is one of the like that and no country for old men are two of the most memorable film experiences for me just by virtue of the ending of both of those films where literally the whole audience was just like what (laughs) (laughs) this is how you end the movie the bad guys won (laughs) (laughs) fantastic uh we should probably point out that there's an alien skull in predator 2 that's probably the only other bit of production i had to say uh (laughs) let's move on to music (laughs) music wise uh there is nothing notable about this film's music uh except that it was by the composer of the day after tomorrow a film that nobody remembers except me uh, he, and then I was looking at it before to see if there was actually any um, songs on it, and it's all just the soundtrack. But his next soundtrack after this was 10,000 BC by Roland Emmerich. Ooh, nice. So, you know, he's onward and upward, right? Yeah, if, if only that we had something to pad out this segment with. If only there was some <laughs> well, kind of bit that someone had talked about doing off air. Uh, well, but this reminds me of our friend, <laughs> a certain guy now. called Noel Chamber and, <laughs> and Todd Future. Uh, <laughs> no, we got, we've really Todd Future of sounds interesting. Uh, Tell me about Todd yeah, Future. Can we, can okay. we talk to Todd Future? <laughs> Tell us about Todd Future. Uh, Sure. Okay. Well, Todd Future, as I was explaining in this bit, is like a he's like a thirty-five year old, maybe forty something year old dude who bought two into Odd Future hype uh, in two thousand and eleven, 
like tattoos, half as Sean pointed out, half socks. He, he's he's Trash so far in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can't can't get out of it. Um, I actually didn't even work on a voice for Todd Future just because I figured he'd sound probably like me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just too far cashed, like too far in that I can't cash out anymore. It's just, it's like all of my hobbies really. But, uh, <laughs> You've been no, Todd no, Future I, all along. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I loved DJing. No, it's so much fun. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So Todd Future, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I love that. Which is going to take us quite succinctly to our f- new favorite segment, Points of Authority. So fuck critics, kiss a whole asshole. You don't like the lyrics, you can press fast forward. But just that very minute it occurred to me, the suckers have authority. Now, Al, I prepared this one earlier. From 2004, the New York Times writes, Film Review, it's an... You've already reached the limit of free articles for this month. Already a subscriber? Log in. <laughs> Special offer? Get unlimited access for 50 cents a week. Al, Sam, do you guys agree with the New York Times? <laughs> oh, the failing New York Times once again. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think the authority has it this week, Al. What about you? I, I, I do not. I, 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 if possible, I have another review i'd like to cite which was a retrospective you're really gonna go against the new york times wow okay up to you buddy <laughs> i have a more reputable publication called the sci-fi channel who <laughs> 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 uh, did a retrospective article about this film last year um hack author william leitch says <laughs> that this film is uh, uh made for prepubescent boys they're saying that this film is not without precedent and is uh, uh kind of like freddy versus jason which, which came out the year before the this in 2003 and what i'm gonna say is i disagree this film i don't agree with the points of authority you know what i'll say i'll save 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 what i think about this film for the next segment well, can I just do another points of authority real quick? Oh, of course. Um, I probably should have brought this up during the production, but my favorite thing I, I found out about this movie in doing a little bit of research was uh, <laughs> when Sigourney Weaver <laughs> was maybe approached to be in the movie or asked why she wasn't in the movie, she said that she was happy not to be in the film as a possible crossover was the reason I wanted my character to die in the first place and thought that the concept sounded awful. Yeah, supposedly... Wrong! Sam's right. Supposedly that's why Alien Resurrection got made purely on the back of Sigourney Weaver not wanting to do a possible Alien versus Predator or if it did get made, have it cheapen the franchise. Well, sucked in, Sigourney. Resurrection <laughs> is the worst of the franchise, oh. and they still made Alien vs. Predator. Oh, and also, um, they hit up Arnold Schwarzenegger as well, and he was like, yeah, man, I'll be in it if I lose my California recall. But then he went on to win it. So he's like, no, oh, well, dodge that bullet. Yeah. James James Cameron also just absolutely fucking hated it and was like, 
Mm. No, he said he liked it. I read that. Oh, did he? He maybe he yeah. Did. He, he actually watched it he and said, said it was the third best yeah, alien. Third movie. best alien. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. I I was reading at time of the production. He was just like, yeah. He said oh, it, it sounds was... cheap and stupid and like he uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> Them like Universal just reusing their cheap assets, but then he must have seen it and was like, hey, it was pretty good actually. Like third <laughs> best alien movie. And then Ridley Scott was like, of course I haven't seen it. The bodies hit the floor. The bodies hit the floor. As you are our beautiful guest, Sam, we'll yeah. let you take the bo- we'll let you go first. For first time listeners, the bodies hit the floor score is a little bit like uh we we, we tried and true stars out of five but only cooler and more related to drowning pool so sam with that in mind how many bodies do you hit the floor with this film oh okay so 15 years ago when i watched this i i thought it was i didn't like it uh it was a bit underwhelmed but now watching it today i actually had a pretty good time i'm going to give this three bodies hitting the floor but one of the bodies is just the front of the alien's head that got sliced off and kind of like sluiced, yeah. <laughs> sluiced down and like slopped against the floor. So, I mean, that would be technically two and a half, but don't worry about that. It's, it's a sort of three. <laughs> it's a soft three. Yeah, it's soft three. <laughs> 2.75. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shawnee, what about you, my boy? I'm giving this a solid two bodies hitting the floor out of five. One body for Alien, one body for Predator. <laughs> no further comments. <laughs> I feel like my That's score, crazy. maybe there's a there's like genuinely a couple of pretty cool shots in this movie that I was like, oh wow. Um, I think them using miniatures kind of helps totally. maybe a lot because in my mind's eye, I remembered it being kind of like a CGI mess, which it really isn't. But there's cool. It's really not, is it? No, it's kind of. It looks pretty good. And there's that scene where like the, the predators like whipping the alien around and like smacking him into oh, columns. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm kind of into this. Yeah. Look, it's it, it. The film looks cool. It's got lots of cool ideas. But as I said to Sam, there's a stodginess to this that makes it feel like a Steven Seagal or a Sylvester Stallone film at times. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's PG-13. This is Paul Thomas Anderson at his most restrained, I would say. <laughs> yeah, and we were, we were also kind of postulating that... Sean just was looked me not dead in purpose. the eyes, as he said. <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact that he maybe did lean more towards practical effects, kind of uh, crampy style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, whatever. It's maybe he just still lost a his... big two. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, this is the third most successful alien yeah. movie after Prometheus and Aliens. Yeah, like which is pretty mind blowing. I don't yeah, know, if especially I didn't since Prometheus was so crowds round lucrative. the corner. That's wild. It's a massive That's... hit. Yeah, um, and I, Alien is like a a confirmed classic, but. I don't know if it made like gangbusters money at the time. This is just Wiki- this is Wikipedia saying that. So no, maybe right. maybe um, Ridley Scott and Paul uh, Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> got in and uh, maybe like did a little bit of sneaky editing 
uh, just before uh, the, we the did old, this podcast. The old, Kev, the old get rid of Kevin Spacey insert Christopher Plummer method, as uh, Ridley Scott is known to yeah. do. I'm going to give this film... Let uh, me tell you, it no, works. <gasps> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it, uh, with no sense of irony, uh, I... I I really 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 enjoyed this. Like I, I think it's like a, an earnest three and a half stars for me. There there was something okay. I guess after the first watch, where I w- was terrified of Lizard Lance <laughs> Henriksen, <laughs> that was maybe like a two for me. But then upon rewatch, where everything was normal, uh, uh, I loved it. Like I saw this in cinemas as a kid, and I remember just having it on dvd and it being one of those movies i watched over and over and over again um and i didn't think i was going to go in and hate it but i didn't think i was going to re-watch this and enjoy it as much as i did uh it's just fun it's just pulpy it's stupid it knows it's stupid and it's it looks cool like it, it has all the things we love about uh paul ws anderson it, it it's it's Are you sure that's like, his name I have a feeling. Right. <laughs> I think he treats like the source material with reverence. Like it's it's not this weird cynical cash grab. Like I feel like it is a movie he wanted to make. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It feels like fan Paul service, Tom, but not like he's most comfortable working in other people's sandboxes, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Which is a shame because like Soldier Rocks, fucking Shopping Rocks, and obviously, yeah. yeah. His best films yeah. are his are his auteur films where he's working in his own sandbox, but he's just so comfortable just hanging out with his wife making bullshit. Yeah, dude. If my wife was Milyokovic, I'd make as many Resident Evil movies as yeah. she wanted as well. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, but yeah, I got it this, made. To be I honest, get, yeah, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I give this a solid three and a half. Like, I, I I loved it. I know people were probably gonna listen to this and say. I'm having another nervous breakdown. And... <laughs> <laughs> but that might also help why I enjoyed this film. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, Al, Al got impregnated by one of the aliens and it's from into his brain. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, man. We've come to the conclusion of the episode. Sam, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, we hope you come me. back soon. Yeah, anytime. Uh, but Ooh, we are. I don't know about any time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just being polite. Yeah. Oh, fine. Don't come back. Have my people speak to your people. We're an hour into this, and we're still no closer, no closer to deciding what we're going to go out on. So I pause it to you. We go out on a song that is probably the earliest incarnation of Alien versus Predator. The earliest incarnation. Of Freddy versus Jason, the earliest incarnation of Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. <laughs> We're going out with the Monster Mash. Space Florida Snap. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a lovely time. I love that. The Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires peace. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. 
They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. In a the party had just begun. In a the guests included Wolfman, in a Dracula, and.